Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn is, funnily enough, a Harley Quinn movie starring the Birds of Prey. But is this movie a true bird of prey, or should we be praying for this bird? I'm Mike. And I'm Darren. And this is Popscorn. Popscorn, the Final Entertainment Movie Review Podcast, and today we're talking about Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, or Birds of Prey, or Harley Quinn, colon, Birds of Prey, or Bop, I don't know, what do you want? <laughs> it's live, die, repeat all over again. It really is. Um, I'm always Mike. And no, I'm always Darren. Yeah, they, I mean, upfront, it didn't do what they wanted it to, box office-wise. Oi. And they probably thought, well, maybe we shouldn't have let Margot Robbie get away with calling it Birds of Prey, the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Hmm. Um, because that confuses people and is far too long to fit on a sign. And just knowing from my cinema experience, you can't fit that on a sign. Nope. So, especially if the most important bit of it is at the end. So, it's <laughs> yeah, like it's the it, last two words yeah, of the title. You don't want to get 12 words deep before you get to the main character's name. So, yeah, it's gone through a live, die, repeat. Um, uh, what was that originally called? Edge of Tomorrow, Edge of tomorrow situation yeah. where they've changed it on week two release to see <laughs> then if Then it was helps. Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat and then it was just Live, Die, Repeat. Yeah. It's a whole thing. They're probably real sad that people are actually wanting to go and see Sonic because this has already <laughs> dropped off the map and he's... Oh, that's going to be a fun discussion later on, Darren. Oh, oh yeah. Jesus Christ. I'm so excited to watch Sonic. I don't care. <laughs> Even if it's bad, I'm still excited to go yeah. and watch Sonic. And we get to have a depressing discussion about why people hate Sonic because they don't like Birds of Prey later on. That's always fun uh, but well yeah internet drama I have to talk about it because no one else cares okay. so, <laughs> I'm not I'm, I'm not looking forward to that um, but yeah that aside beef with blue hedgehogs aside mm. Um, mm. yeah it sounds good <laughs> yeah, so, a traditional Korean dish now this is a tricky one just because no one really knows what is canon what what, what? Is there it's a canon? E- it's easy to think of it this way, Darren. The most profitable bits are canon. There we <laughs> Everything go. else isn't. Uh, that we- is very quickly cemented by the fact that when the Joker is portrayed in this movie, he is A, a cartoon, yeah. B, the Mark Hamill Joker, and C, never referred to again. You get so. the back of his head from one clip from Suicide Squad yep. of Jared Leto and that's it. So, oh, it's... Such a weird place that DC find themselves in. And I think Joker's success has only exacerbated the problem of, well, obviously they don't want to... They did bandy about doing a sequel to that Joker movie, but I really don't know how you do that without fucking it up. Now, I hear the two of us, I like that film more. Mm -hmm. I liked it a hell of a lot. I don't think they should touch a sequel. No. So... Now, if that that was all it was, was there was a standalone Joker movie in the world, I think that'd be fine. But we've also got to deal with the fact that we're getting Robert Patterson's The Batman yeah. uh, next year. We are. Which is not set in this canon. Nope. Because this Harley Quinn's Batman is Ben Affleck. Yep. So, so that's going to further confuse things. And, well, then how do they combine that world? Because she's clearly with that version of the Joker from Jared Leto, if they want to move Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn over... And all and- of this would have been solved yeah. with, we're building up to uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. And then the TV series did it. They are just just getting any idea out they can. However, on the on a good point, but I mean I haven't watched DC TV series for a few years now, but you saw who turned up in Infinite Crisis, right? Yeah, um DC- Ezra Miller Flash turned yeah. up and I was like, "Oh damn." Excuse me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so but but that only works if they still have Ben Affleck under contract and Henry Cavill under contract. Which I'm fairly certain they don't. Well, even if they do, they also need the willingness for them to work and I don't think either of them have it anymore. No. So, who goddamn knows? Like, fine, if they keep making good movies, people won't care as much. As long as they're not trying retroactively do an X-Men thing and make it all canon Mm. and just try and wedge it back together again. I don't think it's going to work. No, I I think... I don't think it's going to work. It depends on how Wonder Woman 84 does. If that if that kind of does what this does, where they expected a lot from it and it kind of underperforms, we might just see a call and say, no, Robert Patterson's the Batman, 
That's the start. That's the new canon. And they'll do a Dame Judi Dench in um, Casino Royale. And <laughs> yeah. like, well, yes, Mar- um, Margot Robbie is still Harley Quinn, but it's, an, it's not that version, it's a new version. And same thing with Gal Gadot, same thing with Jason Momoa. We're just going to cherry pick the bits we like and we're starting again from fresh. Ignore everything else that previously happened. We're going to try doing the DCEU Mark Three. Here we go. Um, <laughs> in the space of less oh, than five years. Oh, no. Jesus wept. But... Was this a good movie, Michael? Because DC's had a good run of yeah. standalone stuff. The internet interconnectivity, shite. Mm. But Shazam, we liked. Yeah, Joker, you loved. Oh, I was fine. I with. really liked Joker. Um, we both liked Wonder Woman. We did. We both liked most of Wonder Woman. Um, I think the world over, like the first two thirds of Wonder Woman. Yeah, I think it's really only the final scene. The final scene, the final battle that really ruins it. So they have rebounded since Batman versus Superman, and to a lesser extent, Justice League. Yeah. So how does this one feel? Because Suicide uh, Squad was kind of the one that was like inexcusable. Yeah, because like, yeah. there are some people who like Batman versus Superman. And there are some people who like Justice League. And there are some people who like Suicide Squad, although in far less numbers. But that was the thing, though. Did they really like the Suicide Squad? Or, or did, did they, they like, like Harley Quinn? Yeah. Hence why we're getting this movie above all else. So, on, on, a, on a whole level, I thought this movie was fine. Yeah. It was a whole lot of okay. I think without Harley Quinn in it, it's it's a lesser movie. I'll yeah. give it that. But mm-hmm. I feel like they were hoping for a bit more. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't... It makes some odd choices. Yeah. They're in keeping with character, but not necessarily with good filmmaking. I was asked what I thought about mm. this film by my fiance. Yeah. And I struggled to give her an answer for about four hours. Yeah. And even after that, I gave her the underwhelming response of, it was fine, it felt artificial. Yeah. And I can't shake the feeling that this film was kind of designed by committee. It's a camel. It's a camel. It's not a horse. It's a real camel. It felt like it could have been a horse, because it felt like they gave a lot of um, like creative liberties over to Margot Robbie and her production team, because this is at least partly her production company's yeah. deal. And and fair play to this production, Harley, Harley Quinn. There we go. I've, I've just demonstrated how good Margot Robbie is because I didn't refer to her as Margot Robbie. Yeah. Margot Robbie has got a handle on Harley Quinn yes. in the same way that Ryan Reynolds has got a handle on Deadpool. Yes. And that is fine. I'm very okay with that. She's very good. I'm sure she knows exactly what's going on. The problem is, is that A, you advertise it as a Birds of Prey movie. Mm. B, it's not. No. <laughs> and C, I'm not even sure it's that good a fucking Harley Quinn film. No. I, I'm, I struggle to think what else you could do, and that kind of deflates any and all feedback I can give it, because I can't, I can't think of how you would do this film in a way that I would enjoy it. Yeah. I, I just, I just it's... don't know. I, but then again, I don't like the Harley Quinn standalone books. No. I love Harley Quinn as a character. I don't. But I know you don't. No, God, but no. the standalone books are fucking trash. Mm. I it's, I don't want this because I know this f- whole film's an exercise in... We've got an all-female team. It's the feminist movie of the year. Hooray. Awesome. By the way, can I ask real quick? Yes. What trailers did you get before your film? Because we got very specific. We got Black Widow. We got Wonder Woman 84. I got Wonder Woman 84. Uh, what, what, we got another female one. Military Wives again? We didn't get Military Wives, thank God. Emma. Um, one for Emma. No, we didn't get Emma. Oh, right. Oh, what was it now? It was a very strong, impaired woman film. It's going to wind me up <laughs> until I figure out what it was. Really strong and impaired if you It wasn't remember. a misadventure or not misbehaviour. Not misbehaviour. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting sick of seeing the trailer, to be honest. Um, something else, but I did lean over and say, do you think we were about to watch a female-led movie? Huh? <laughs> um, <laughs> it was... Yeah, they they, they knew what their audience was. Um, oh, boy. So that's what we got. Or did they? That's a discussion we'll have later on. But it's it's a case of they tried to... They half-assed two things instead of whole-assing one thing. Yeah. The, the committee aspect comes in, I think, to kind of ruin the chance this movie had of being a really unique vision... Mm that should have been left to live and die on its own merits. Yeah. Because, so it does non-linear storytelling, kind of. 
Yeah, and th- it really ruins the pace. It's not a Tarantino movie. It can't get away with stuff like that. I understand I'm a, everything I'm about to complain about for this film will be prefaced with, I understand what they were going for, mm. and I respect it. Mm. However. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just... I understand, what they, especially with the out-of-order storytelling, because Harley Quinn's your narrator... Of course, she's not going to be telling you things the right way. She's, she's like Joker, supposed to be an unreliable narrator. What it does, though, is kills all forward momentum for the movie. And it doesn't allow for the characters to do their thing mm. that makes them relatable. No. I, I did have some characters I preferred over others, which we'll get into in a yeah. minute. But on the whole, no one except Harley Quinn stands out. No. And that's a real issue when it's a Birds of Prey movie, kind of, sort of. But again, it's kind of... If they'd really gone for it, so the, the non-linear storytelling comes in of, like, she, it's, she's an unreliable narrator, but not so much in that she's lying, in that she's forgetting to tell you parts of the story. Although she is lying as well. Yeah, there are some lies, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, like, you'll, there's a scene where she breaks into a police officer's um, uh, station... To, to Otherwise known as a police station, don't I know I said police officer station. Sure. <laughs> she breaks into a, into a police station, but then she has to explain why she's doing that, because the last scene we saw her in was her getting captured by black mass fugs. Mm. So we have to see what the jump is, so we have to go back in time. And it just kind of... As a storyteller voice, it could have worked, but then that they do it twice and that's it. Mm-hmm. You're then on a very straightforward path for the most part. It didn't feel like... God, it pains me to say this, but... I would have preferred it to be even more wacky with the storytelling and mm. really turned up the really cartoonish aspects of it. Yeah. Because, say what you will about Joker, it reflects the man's mindset. Yeah. You know, it's obviously going for a realistic take as opposed to a kind of out there zany take. But the whole, you know, the misdirect with his girlfriend and stuff like that, that shows his psyche. Yeah. And I think to better reflect Harley Quinn, especially this version they're going with the very wacky over the top one, it could have done with more cartoon stuff, like Deadpool did. Yeah. Deadpool's a perfect analogy for this, because they went all goddamn in on everything that is about the Deadpool character and breaking the fourth wall, yeah. which she does in this movie. Yeah, that's what I was about to say, is that, weirdly enough, it does do a lot of the things that Deadpool is doing. Mm. It's even got an 18 rating. Yeah. And I don't think that's entirely necessary, but we'll get to that. Um... And it's just, it feels like it's aping films that it wants to have the success of mm. without any of the artistic license to be there. No, it just really comes in. Now, the fir- the thing about the first Deadpool is the other problem is, so yeah, Margot Robbie does a pretty good job of Harley Quinn. I'm not a big fan of the character, but she does a very, very good job. She's genuinely enjoyable to watch. What Deadpool, the first one, had going for it was, it was dealing with B-list characters, but it made you care for them, mm. which is kind of incredible. And it constantly called to attention the fact that they didn't have the budget to get the proper X-Men. Yeah, exactly. That was the, that was the gag. Yeah. Like, Deadpool was never an A-list character until this, you know, giant mm-hmm. push forward in the pop culture for a deadpool yeah. character. So that's why they could only have Negasonic, Teenage Warhead, Colossus, and uh, That's It. Yeah, <laughs> and the taxi driver. So yeah, ta- you get all those. It. But you cared about them. I think the other falling down in this movie is I don't really care about any of the other Birds of Prey. Yeah. I don't think they did a terrible job necessarily, but I don't really care about the the, the unit as a whole. It's It really should have been a Harley Quinn movie first. Oh, that's, oh, that's it. The unit doesn't exist until 20 minutes from the end. No. It doesn't even have that kind of fuck yes, let's go part of it that Avengers yeah. had because the only one we've had any prior engagement with is Harley Quinn. And it's a it's a unity of um, necessity at the end, as opposed to like an organic coming together of like, no, we we've all been wronged by this person. It's literally no, we're going to die, so we may need to fight together. Mm. So yeah, so on the other birds of frame, we have because we don't need to review Margot Robbie; she's great. You expect yeah, this. yeah exactly. The, you, you know up front what you're getting with her, yeah, and it is just a, a natural extension of what she was doing in Suicide Squad, pretty much. Um, so we have um, Journey. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, Journey Smollett, Smollett Bell. That'll do. Um, who plays uh, Dino Lance, aka the Black Canary? Who I um, think was the strongest of this new unit. I'd give you that. Yeah, she she's almost in a different movie to everybody else. Yeah, kind of. She's having like a, a almost like a gritty crime thing happen to mm. her that happens to be happening like adjacent to a Harley Quinn movie. Um, 
So she's under the employ of Black Mask. She's just a singer, but through circumstance, she ends up being the driver for Black Mask. Um, and, you know, we can see that she's a badass. That's never really explained why she can fight really well. Mm. Um, they don't really give back... They give background on the Huntress, but we'll get to her in a second. Um, she, I think she does fine. There's not really, like... like You come out of it and you do, like, the Red Let Me, you think of, like, well, what are her defining characteristics? She can... She's got a voice. She can sing. But, I mean, she wasn't really, like... She wasn't the funny one. Nope. She wasn't the, you know, the belligerent one. She wasn't the stubborn one. She wasn't the badass one. She was just kind of generic fighter woman. She just, you know, gurns and looks awkward for a lot of the film. Yeah. But it works for her. That, I think mm. I think Smother Bell's a good actress. I, I never didn't know. Yeah. I, there wasn't a point in the movie where I didn't believe what no. she was doing, apart from when it's she just immediately fights off four guys and that's just fine. Yeah. But do you care? No, that's in the same the... way you do about like Depinder in Deadpool. Like they're about the same level of relevance to the plot. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing that when Negasonic Teenage Warhead does her thing in Deadpool, yeah. you're like, oh fuck, here we go, mm-hmm. and that's pretty cool. You don't have that here. No, you do not. And that when that's the best you can do is Black Canary, and I think Black Canary has probably the best moment in the final fight as well. Yeah. Because they do her powers and that's cool, which also isn't explained in the slightest. I mean, mm-hmm. they kind of assume you've already watched the TV shows and had yeah. prior engagements with Black Canary, say, in the Arrowverse. Or... Yeah, that's a very good point. What happens to, yeah, when she does use her powers, which is only once, mm-hmm. it comes out of absolutely nowhere. Yep. There's a sort of hint to it earlier on in the movie. Um, but yeah, it just literally comes out. Again, it's like a case of, Open with that next time. <laughs> yeah. Why are you keeping that under, you know, under lock and key for most of it? Um, I, I almost kind of wish that the situation that we'd had everybody finish the film in was the status quo at the start of the film. Yeah. And it was more a cat and mouse game between the Birds of Prey and Harley Quinn. I'll come back to that in a second. Cause yeah. I, I feel like there was a different version of this movie they could have done that would have worked better for that. Um, you have Rosie Perez, previous last scene. <laughs> In a sitcom with Jack Whitehall uh, on Sky One. Excuse me. Yeah, she was in a Bounty Hunters. Oh, with Jack Whitehall and Sky. I didn't watch it. Well, there you go. God awful. But uh, yeah, so she's playing Renee Montoya, um, hard ass police woman who air quotes again. They set her up as oh, she's like all the eighties detectives you see in movies and TV shows, and then she just is that. Yep. Okay. This is not the Renee Montoya I remember from the books, Darren. No. It really isn't. Okay. They have not done a good job of translating this character mm. in the fucking slightest. There's there's none of this jumping out of Batman's shadow that you got from the books. Yeah. Of this. When they had a... They did like this specific run where Renee Montoya was the main character. And it was, I don't get to rely on a man in a bat costume right now. I'm going to have to do this properly. And it was a cool little, you know, yeah. limited run crime thriller. This, she's just portrayed as, like, the mom, I yes. guess. She's just, she's the eldest and by proxy the least cool. Yeah. And I do not like this actress. I no. don't think she brought any gra- There's a scene. Oh, God. We have to talk about the soundtrack at some point. Oh, Carl, I can't have that discussion. There's a scene where there's, like, a really moody cover of a Joan Jett song. No, a Pat Benatar song. Yeah. Uh, and... She's just, it's a whole thing through the film that she's just constantly drinking. Which would have been a cool thing mm. if that would have been shown to have any detrimental, like, things yeah. to her character, to yeah. her personality, to her working relationships. It's just, she's undervalued and also uh, the mom. <laughs> like, where's the sustenance? Where's no. the thing that makes that character interesting outside of. Well, she's a hard ass eighties cop, exactly. but a woman. They put all <laughs> all character and charisma points into Harley Quinn, and yes. there's none left for anybody else. Yep, including now I didn't know because I heard about Bertinelli, aka the Huntress, yep. aka the Crossbow Killer, which is an okay running gag they do throughout. Mm-hmm. It took me until she took the hood off to realise it was Hall of Famer Mary Elizabeth Winstead. It's, it's from Rona Flowers. I was she's like, she's here. I didn't know this was Mary Elizabeth Winter this whole time. She's genuinely in the Hall of Fame for me. And I was like, oh, God damn, okay. 
So she's probably my favourite just because it's Mary Elizabeth Winston. That's the thing. How much of the fact that I like the Huntress am I taking from the fact it's Mary Elizabeth Winston? Yeah. She's back. I know. Hooray. She, she was probably the best because they give her a bit more... They give her a bit more character. It's it's there, but then it's just played for laughs that she's a bit stoic and a bit too... Yeah. She's a bit too Batman about the whole thing of like being deathly serious and it not really fitting the tone. But that's at least something... It is something. something. She's got that above the other two. And I at least appreciated that that gave you fun interactions with the other characters. Yes. There's there's a scene with her. I actually think the best pairing in the film is Black Canary and um, Harley Quinn. Yeah. There's one scene in a back alley where they actually talk. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. Um, But next up would be Black Canary and Huntress for Mm. the moment where Huntress is trying to Tell the backstory, and yeah. she's like fucking light enough, yeah, yeah, and taking the piss out of her trying to be a hard ass, and mm-hmm. that was at least something new, at least something refreshing. The problem with the huntress is, is that she's very much on a separate path to everybody else. Yeah, starts and completes her entire story arc. Yeah, in the background. Yeah, <laughs> like she arrives at the final scene of the movie, going, "Oh, I, I've." I've already killed that dude. Yeah, I'm done now. It's done. See ya. Um, Bye. I'm like, okay, go home then. You, you've done what you need to do. Basically. She Why just, are you here? Well, she's got to, like... She, yeah, she's about to get killed is the only reason she sticks around at yep. the end. But uh, there we go. Uh, right, so rounding out the kind of... She's not really a member of the Birds of Prey, but no. she's there. Is Ella J. Basco, mm-hmm. uh, who hasn't really been in anything else. She's been like Grey's Anatomy and stuff I like that. I think this is her first feature film. Right. Um, so she's playing um, Cassandra Kane. Now, am I wrong? Or is Cassandra Kane a Batwoman? She's a Batgirl, I believe. Ah, right, okay. But you are not wrong. She's a member of the Bat family in right. the comics. Um, but here she's just a thief. Yes. She's um, very much been undone and robbed of any progression through this movie. Yeah. And that is a shame. So, her basically, <laughs> her colon um, <laughs> is why she's here. Um, so... Uh, Basically, the whole plot centering the the, the um, what's it called the guffin, yeah, the Bertinelli diamond apparently has a code in it yeah. to access all the bank accounts of the richest mafia family yeah. in Gotham. Black Ma- Black Mask wants that, yes, but unfortunately, it's currently in Cass Kane's poop tract. Yes, so you know, so yeah, so basically, so half this movie is snatch. Of just trying to figure out how to get the diamond out of, well, the dog in Snatch's case and out of Cassandra Kane in this one. Uh, she's okay. I like her interactions with Harley Quinn. I think they're quite nice because, um, you know, they're, they're all trying to get hold of her, not because, you know, they're trying to save the kid. It's just because what she has. Yeah. Um, so she's kind of secondary to the diamond in this case. But there's some nice interactions there. He brings a softer edge because obviously we've got to soften Harley Quinn from being a villain. Um, so that's how they kind of accomplish that in this movie yeah. by having Cassandra Kane being the thing that kind of scrubs off a few of those rough edges. And she's good enough. Like, yeah, I fine. Her performance was a little patchy. Not as patchy as somebody we're going to be about to talk about in a minute. But, yeah. you know, she was fine enough and for the part that she played in this quite basic yet convoluted story, Yeah, I think she does, does that job really well. It's a shame we won't get to see her now, I was having this argument with Caroline. I said, it's now a shame that we won't get to do the Batgirl storyline because yeah. she's now Harley Quinn's protégé. Yeah. Uh, and Caroline said to me, well, you don't know that, that the next scene in the next film won't just be Batman arrests Harley Quinn and he takes Cascade under a wing. I'm like, kidnaps a small child. Yeah. I'm like, Which Batman is prone to do. Yes. Um, and I was like, that is both the stupidest idea I've ever heard and also entirely what I expect of DC yeah. to do. So I don't know whether it is going to be the end of the line for this for this story. Um, but, a little pro tip you know. here, babe. Don't tell your future wife that she's having very stupid ideas. Uh, well, pro tip yeah. there, Mike. Um, <laughs> yeah, good point. She yeah. doesn't listen to this anyway. So it's no, good, okay. Um, God, this is such a, like, a free zone for us to speak. Anyway. I know, it's right? Red repercussions. This is why I bought this noise Samsung headphones. Um... <laughs> Cool, so we're on to the villain now. Uh, and much okay. like Martin Freeman in Black Panther, we have to talk about two people. We have to talk about Hugh McGregor and yep. Hugh McGregor's American accent. Yeah, we do. Which is a separate character unto itself. Yep. Um, it's not as patchy as Martin Freeman's is, or just as ludicrous, because I've heard 
I've at least heard you, McGregor, try and do an American accent, but he's not. He's not great. No. Um, Hugh McGregor's American accent is somehow more absent from the film than Martin Freeman's American accent was in Black Panther. Because, good lord, that thing just picks and chooses when it wants to arrive. Because he's playing Black Mask, aka Roman Sionis. Now, my biggest exposure to him is in uh, Arkham Origins, where he's got like a proper New York accent, Mm. proper gangster Mm. one. Hugh McGregor just has a kind of generic generic American American accent accent occasionally. but <laughs> at points, I actually like you. The the portrayal of Black Mask here. No, <laughs> okay. I didn't. And oh, okay. The reason I didn't is because it's it. You know what this film feels like, and mm. for a lot of the characters, this is true. It is a war of who can be the wackiest personality on the screen at any one time between yeah. Zaz, who we'll talk about in a minute, yeah, Black Mask, Harley Quinn. At points, fucking Renee Montoya, don't know why they went down that route, mm. and probably Huntress and also Cass Kane because, oh, a kid that says the fuck word. Yeah. So, all of those people all at once trying to be the main one. Yeah. It's it's Three Stooges syndrome. You know, it's everybody's trying to get through the door all at once. Yeah, okay. It, it did not play well for me, especially when I think it would probably be more effective. Now, I have been told that this is the stupidest idea ever by my fiancé. Okay. I thought it'd be more effective for it to be a really straightforward, gritty Batman film that also has Harley Quinn doing Deadpool things. And apparently that's too too type, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But I just, I, I like the idea of having a proper New York gangster in in Black Mask. Yeah. Who is then deflated and kind of made to say awkward things by the fact that he's got to have Harley Quinn around. Okay. I'd I see would have coming from. loved to have seen a bit see, more of that. That may have been a stylistic choice to take it away from Deadpool. Mm. Because obviously um, Ajax slash Francis in that movie is playing a very straight-laced villain. Mm. And so is... Uh, what's her face? Uh, Gina Carano? Gina Carano. Yeah. They're playing it straight-laced and then Deadpool's the wacky guy. So I think in having everyone kind of go over that wacky threshold to, you know, some to more extent, some to less extent, yeah. I think that was maybe a stylistic choice to, to really win. I liked it. I, I actually wish they'd gone further with it because yeah. there are very unsubtle hints that he's gay. Like, yeah. like, in the one part you have Harley Quinn listing off a list of grievances, which is a, a common like um, thing they do with anyone who comes to attack her, mm. which is random and done just to move the plot forward. You will have their name pop up and then grievance and what Harley mm. Quinn had done, to them, which was quite fun. Um, it kind of showed how everyone is actually out together. When she's doing Roman Sione, she lists off about 20 things, one of which is having a vagina. Yeah. So that kind of implies that. There's also the relationship between him and Zaz, which I think is also slightly more subtly, but not all that being played as like, well, they're potentially lovers. Hmm. I wish they'd actually gone all out on that and made him and Zaz gay. I would have actually been okay with that. I was that would have been pretty cool. Exactly, I would have, and like because they did, the thing was it was I actually liked the, the the balance they met because they weren't making a big deal of like, oh my god, he's gay. Nor were they hiding it. No, the way that's how you get acceptance is you. You normalise it. Yeah. This was like, if they'd gone, if they'd substantiated that relationship a bit more, a kiss, that would have been enough, and not made the whole thing, oh, he's a big gay, blah, blah, blah. That's how you normalise things. Yeah. You treat them like normally. And I can't think of any gay villains in comic books, so that would be really cool. There's some in the comics. Or at least in any movie adaptations. No, I not in movie think. adaptations. I mean, if you read the Ultimate Comics... Every other Just character everyone. is gay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and every so, other character is a villain at one point. The only one I can think of that they turned, they turned Electro at one point in the normal uh, 616 continuity. They turned him gay, I think. Mm. Yeah. But there's also that Harley Quinn is, in the comic book, she's gay. There is a bit in the cartoon where a woman pops up and it breaks her heart after two men. Yeah. So there is that going up. But so I mean, they've her, done that, and that's yeah. fine. But her thing is, she's getting over the relationship with the Joker, so they couldn't really have that be a part of the here. No. If they'd have gone with the alternative idea, they could have. More on that in a second. Um, but no, I kind of like that. I really like Zaz in this movie. See, I didn't like Zaz either. Really? I did not like Zaz. For why? I, I wanted more of. An actual batshit insane person, 
Whereas that, this version of Zadar's kind of got his shit together a little bit. He was obviously a mental case who likes, you know, carving mm. fucking tallies into his chest and ripping off people's faces and stuff. And that's... It, I say, I want to say it's interesting. That's clearly a sign of uh, mm. some mental instability. But I, I think it would have been a really good sort of, you know, mirror in the face of Harley Quinn to see Zaz as kind of... I don't want to say fragile or like... Right. But I think it would have been cool to see him, somebody who is clearly mentally unstable, being exploited by somebody who's got his shit together, like Black Mask, yeah. as holding up a mirror to, look at what Zaz is doing for Black Mask, that's what you were doing for the Joker. Okay. And I think I that there could have from. been some cool interactions mm. there. And just by having them be generic gangsters, but also have this recognisable visual cue from the comic books, yeah. is not as effective. Plus, the last thing I saw Chris Messina, who plays Zazid, yeah. was uh, Sharp Objects, and he was really fucking good in that. So this was a massive step down. Well, I think he was... I personally thought he did a really good job. Like, yeah, you could have maybe pushed the character in a different way, but for this version of what they were going for... I think, yeah, he reminded me so much of, and I've had to look the actor's name up, mm-hmm. um, Jesse Plemons in Breaking Bad. Okay. Of like, Have you watched El Camino? Yes. No, so, I haven't watched El Camino. So they kind of bring it up again. That I thought he you were going to say like, season five. I'm like, yeah, season No, no, five. he was like the, the kind of outwardly nice um, white supremacist. Mm. But then you'd be reminded, of like, no, he's also a violent murderer, but he's got that kind of um, sociopath, like everything is fine on the surface, but then just horrible murder stuff all the time. It reminded me so much of that, and I think because I like that character so much, that's what I was getting like. It was like, he used to give him, but you, you're you never not scared of him of what he might do, because in his first scene, he peels the dude's face off. So, I like, I think it was, Zaz, you could do, but I feel like Zaz would be better suited to a, like a Netflix-level series. Yeah. I think in terms of doing a movie version of Zaz, which, you know, they'd done it before, he was very temporarily in the in the. Uh, Christian Bale Batman movies more of like just visually you yeah. can tell who he was he was nameless and he didn't have any dialogue but it was clearly Zad because he had the tallies on him but he had a big part in the Arkham games he did so but uh, maybe that's what he is he annoys me so goddamn much in Arkham City with the phones yeah. that I was just like no I'll take this version this is better than the <laughs> melancholic oh, I'm going to free people from their sins um, <laughs> I, I think I preferred this version so we can agree to disagree that's fine I'll tell you what the problem is with both the villains that is also stylistically a problem for the film. Mm -hmm. There is a leftover stank from Suicide Squad that does not go away. Good God, does it not go away? In what one? In the sense that visually, Uh, and in terms of the fucking soundtrack, it all feels a bit fucking stanky. I don't like it. It's 2016 cool, and it it wasn't cool then. It was just, uh, all my friends are heathens, fucking kill me. It's, it's just you, annoying as fuck. It's got that Captain Marvel problem of like, you could put a piece of paper in front of me and say, name five songs that will be in Harley Quinn. And I'd be like, yeah, boom, boom, Barracuda's going to be in there. Um, yeah, hit me with your best shot's probably going to be in there, etc., etc. Et you could like tick off, no problem. Yeah. Like, any like 90s or early 2000s powerful song by a woman, boom, that's yep. in there. Yep. So it's got a guitar and a woman singing, boom, 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 it's all in there, don't yep. worry about it. Again, same problem that Captain Marvel had. <laughs> uh, and it's, it works better here, I think, actually because of Suicide Squad saying up that that's just what these movies do. Yep. Whereas in Captain Marvel, it was quite jarring. Yes, definitely. Um, I don't think it really worked. It, it was far more, here. yeah, it was far more expected here. It wasn't good here. No. But it still worked better than it did in Captain Marvel. And I'll the fact that it bled into the characters in this film a little bit mm. was what annoyed me the most, especially Black Mask. Because they go two fucking great lengths to just, you know, he's not allowed to be a complex, interesting character because he's pure evil. Yeah. And, he's, and he reminded me of the fucking Hitcher in one of the scenes because his American accent disappeared. It was just you and McGregor just doing mental things. Like, I'm pure evil. I once peeled a man's face right off his face. <laughs> <laughs> It's just... Oh, a deep cut uh, Mighty Boosh reference. Yeah. Well, um, I was half expected. Oh, me solo. Vision, <laughs> just to be part of it. No. Yes. I will say, hmm. I've got a lot of time for the action scenes in this movie. They're very well done, aren't they? Really well done. Very well shot. Well shot, unique, hmm. I think, in, in, in superhero movie ones. Cinematography in general. It was really weird that with a film that has a design aesthetic that's just drenched in fucking loser sweat from yeah. 
Suicide Squad mm. to then turn into the, the fucking shot where Harley Quinn walks slow motion through red and blue mist. Mm. I was like, oh, fuck me. That's really well thought about. And even though I hate the aesthetic of the fun house in the yeah. final scene. Oh, so trite. Uh, uh, yeah, and it was just more, my fucking eyes are being assaulted. Yeah. But in terms of how they put the camera back yeah. and allowed multiple fights to take place in the same loca- locations in this film. Good fucking God, they mm. got some big sets in. Yeah. That was good shit. Um, and it all to feel cohesive and fluid. And I think not there was a one shot in there. There might have been a one shot. I think it was either like maybe it was like a Frankenstein to give a one shot, mm. but it appeared like that. Really good, like really easy to follow. Nice hand to hand combat. Obviously, they 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 rely on the Harley Quinn as a gymnast aspect for her fight style, but everyone's kind of got their own deal. Mm. Like um, Black Canary is more of your powerhouse of just like just clobbering people. Um, Huntress is more like weapons orientated. Mm. It was really good. It came together. There's like quite a few fight scenes in this. The one in the police station, the one at the end in the fun house, just etc, etc, etc. They all really work. Yeah. So I think that was why, why it's like the problems we've just rattled off. There are some quite nice things about it. They kind of drag it back up. Which is kind of solidified by the fact that the stunts team was the biggest part of the credits. Yeah, it was. The amount of stunt people they had Jesus. in. Fair fucking play. So, I'll give you that. That's probably the biggest praise I can give you is I really like what they did with the action scene. The action and choreography on this is a big plus in its, mm. its favour. Um, anything else you want to say before spoilers? Do you think that they earned that 18 rating? Or do you think it was just a, a excuse to just say the fuck word? Just that and the over... face peeling, I think, was the only thing. I mean, what <laughs> yeah. happens to the black mask at the end as well? He does kind of get... I kind spatted. of really enjoyed that. <laughs> so, yeah, same. I enjoyed how quick it was. <laughs> yeah, they don't really, like hide away from the violence but it's not like it's not to the same level as Deadpool it's not to the same level as even like Logan really so yeah it, it, it's to me it's like a, a tween's idea of what an edgy film yeah. is it's the first one that was like because like obviously the trend became oh Deadpool won't work as an 18 then it did and everyone jumped on the 18 bandwagon yep. this is the first one of the, it, it kind of that being flipped of like you probably should have just sticked at 15. Yeah. And, and pushing for 18 was to your detriment. Because mm. maybe that's why it's partly not doing as well. Yeah. Because, you know, most of the people I saw dressed up as Harley Quinn were like 15, 16, 17. They're the ones who are obsessed with Harley Quinn. Yep. Not necessarily all over 18. So if you're, you're cutting down... I mean, even a 15, that's three years of people. I mean, if they want to get in, you can get in. But, I mean, that's three years of people they are potentially cutting out. For not much benefit. No. If they'd have gone harder with it. But I don't think that would have suited a Harley Quinn movie. That's not... She's not ultra-violence. She's not Logan or Deadpool. No, or she's not. You know what I mean? It just... Yeah, that's... It's like, yeah, she kills people, but she is, by and large, Joker's henchman. And yeah. Joker isn't as straightforward as get-gun-murder person. Yeah. It's normally, here's a convoluted fucking trap. So, you know. Yeah. And there was none of that in this. It's weird that it's gone from, we're scared to make things in 18, so we'll stick at 15. And now we're scared not to make stuff 18. So, so as not to be taken seriously. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Oh, God. He's spit on his head, so yeah, that's the, quite stupid. But no. the, the Avengers films have managed to do mm. wacky, serious, yeah. and all of them have the right level of actions and some cursing yeah. inside of a relatively... Yeah. But again, we can't compare DC to Marvel. They're clearly operating at different levels yes. and doing different things. Again, so, 15, yeah. mm, apparently, in America, Mulan, PG-13. Ooh, wow. A Disney movie, PG-13? <laughs> Phew. Phew, that's going to be a 12A. <laughs> cool. All right. <laughs> that was it. It was Mulan. Of course, it was goddamn Mulan. That was the other yeah. trailer I saw beforehand. Um, I'm all into that Mulan trailer box. It looks all right, doesn't it? It's yeah. weird. Yeah, right. I'm scared. It can go. It can go horribly wrong. But yeah. I'm like, all right. You know, it's PG-13. We might get a shit out of it. I know. Look, the amount of like childhood <laughs> Mulan just saw hand to hand sort of just drops cut and then just carries on. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Yeah, the amount of like childhood nostalgia movies I've dragged Rachel to. Like, I'm not not going to watch Mulan. I'm yeah. happy she's getting this one. Um, we also found out because Ghostbusters Staff Live was the other trailer, and they found out she's never watched Ghostbusters before. And I'm going to get on it because you're going to have a fun time watching one, a weird time explaining two. Oh, I was like, you don't need to watch two; it's not going to be relevant. <laughs> don't worry, because um, she found out. Nor is Ghostbusters 2016. No, so there we she go. She also found out I'd never seen the Mighty Ducks, and that was corrected very quickly. Apparently, not seeing the Mighty Ducks is wrong. Yeah, the Mighty Ducks is good. I know the Mighty Ducks. 
fine hockey my, movie. My biggest memories of the Mighty Ducks might be the giant fucking um, arcade thing they had for it in Disney Quest. Oh, yeah. Did you, did you go? No, I didn't go to Disney I mean, Quest. it's shut down now. But like, oh, yeah, so I couldn't have got... Uh, they'll probably turn into another fucking Diana Princess of Wales Memorial Museum. But there was this giant thing that you would stand on... Imagine a Segway with no wheels. Okay. And it's just a platform and a handle and yeah. you would just tilt back and forth yeah, yeah. and there was like a hockey puck on a giant screen uh-huh. and you had to like bounce other people out the way and get in the goal. Oh, okay. It was fucking great. Okay. That's the best piece of Mighty Ducks related media there is. I bet you're really glad you held on to this spoiler warning, aren't you? <laughs> to the, to the, the Mighty Ducks video game. Uh, is it a recommendation, Darren? No, that's difficult. It is, isn't it? It's such an also ran of the year that I... Hmm. Well, this thing, I feel like it's already been out for two weeks. If you really wanted to watch it, you would have watched it already. Hmm. I find it hard to recommend as at cinema level. You go a night off and it's on Netflix, the action's pretty cool, but I wouldn't invest money into this necessarily. I... Yeah, no, I, it's not really recommend. It's not. I'm not bad moving the movie, but I can't hand on heart recommend it. In a year that seems to be pretty fucking strong so far for film and varied as well. Yeah, like, like it's not just for it's not just superhero movies and Star Wars movies. There's a lot going on this year across the board. I mean, mm-hmm. most of it's still owned by Disney, but that's just the world we live in. Yeah, I. <laughs> yeah, soon enough, this podcast will be brought to you by Disney. Oh, let's hope so. Ooh. I'd like to get paid. We won't get paid. No. Um, yeah, I think I'm with you there. I, I, I don't know whether I can recommend this to everyone. I think that this is a for a very specific set of people. And even then, I don't know if it does a good job of catering to those people either. Mm. So it's a question I wanna, I'll have with you in the spoilers, just so we can talk about everything. But this film doesn't know who its main audience is meant to be. Mm. And that's an issue. Is it... For people like my girlfriend, who will go to films to support female actresses and female directors mm-hmm. and goes to see quite strong feminist films, yeah. is it for them? Or is it for people like us, Darren, who will go because it is a comic book property, has B to C list people that we really enjoy and have grown up reading, yeah. uh, for people who enjoy you know, action and superhero cinema? It's actually for neither. And uh, I can't recommend it i really can't like you say if it's on netflix or any other streaming platform yeah, if you invest it if it's yeah it's on something you're already buying i i think it's a perfectly good waste of time not pay attention friday night movie if anything skip through if you must see that anything skip through and watch the action mm. scenes on 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 demand yeah but don't just don't 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 i don't think the cinema experience is good enough at the moment to justify spending money on that no whereas you know, we've had 1917 and Jojo Rabbit and Parasite and fucking so many good films out this yeah. month and in January. Go watch those. Put it this way, the highlight of my evening was about an hour beforehand when I realised that Frankie and Benny's has six different types of vegan desserts. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Spoiler alert! I had the chocolate and raspberry one. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody! <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Chocolate was actually a bit dry, but that's fine. Um, yeah, so, well, it's we've kind of spoiled everything, really. Like, there's not much to spoil. She has a fight no. with Black Mask. He blows up at the end. Oh, wow, we did that before. Spoiler warning. Whoops. Um, <laughs> the bad guy dies. We didn't Shock. actually... We didn't say the bad guy dies. Shocker. We, so, didn't, we didn't explain how it happens, which no, is true. via grenade very quickly. <laughs> yeah, it just comes out of nowhere. Just, I've got your... Oh, the fuck! That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such an... Well, it's a very straightforward movie, but you kind of wish it wasn't. Again, I wish it taken more chances. Mm. What I really wish they'd done, because when I first heard Birds of Prey, this before any casting came out or anything like that, I was like, sweet, Harley Quinn, Catwoman, Poison Ivy. Fucking A. Yeah. That's Gotham City Sirens. Yeah. That's a different deal. That is very much a different deal. But in retrospect, why didn't they do Gotham City Sirens? Yeah, you got to wonder why, right? Surely. Like, now again... The canon then becomes a problem because we know that Catwoman's going to be in the Batman. And Catwoman has also been in the Birds of Prey, which makes no sense because she's a cat. <laughs> the very anti- well, I mean, none of them are named after birds, so it doesn't really... Oh, Black Canary, Black Jesus, Canary, Darren, yeah. come on. Um, so, that. But I, I don't know. You've got the name recognitions there a lot stronger. People are aware of who Catwoman is. They're aware of who Poison Ivy is from previous movies. You can chuck them in. 
I don't feel like either of them have had definitive takes where you're like, oh no, not, oh no, think of what Uma Thurman's thinking. No one's, no one's doing <laughs> yeah, that, no. are they? So the only thing you'd struggle with is Catwoman because between Anne Hathaway, and Michelle Pfeiffer, and the one that was on Gotham, mm. whose name I can't remember, there have been uh, Anne Halle Berry. Ah, Anne Halle. <laughs> Let's try. And oh, forget that no. Happened. However, if they brought back Halle Berry as Catwoman <laughs> and then just rinsed her non-stop a la, a la Barakapool, yeah. I think I would have been okay. Fuck it, bring Uma back as well. <laughs> I would have been fine with that. Absolutely fine with that. Fuck it. That's what I want now. Okay, okay, ignore that. Like I said, I, I, I really wish that not only were you in charge of that movie, but you were in charge of the marketing and non-stop rinsing was part of the fucking <laughs> yeah. marketing push. I'm adding that on to the end of the title. <laughs> Gotham City Sirens, colon, Birds of Prey, colon, The Phantomous Emancipation of Harley Quinn, colon, colon the non-stop rin- rinsing, rinsing of Catwoman. Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> you need two posters to get <laughs> It's like those posters you get from Odeon for the, the Infinity War with all the characters, yeah, yeah. which just for the title. <laughs> Badly cut up as well over the four of yeah. them. Anyway, uh, um, I think like unless they were they knew what the Batman was going to be before this went into production, they were like, "No, Catwoman's going to be in this, so you can't have that." And he was like, "Because." Like the Huntress and Black Canary, very, very unlikely to factor into anything they're going to do if they are going to do a call and start again with the Batman going forward. Yeah, it's not like them two are ever going to make it in there. They've both been in um, Green Arrow, mm. um, uh, both are fairly big characters in Green Arrow, actually. I think they even had like interactions with each other there. So Black Canary more than Huntress, I think. Yeah, yeah, because because Dinah was in it for quite a time. Yes, no, it, feeling... no, it was Laurel Lance, Laurel, that's for a, the longest uh, time. Yeah. And then you had a sister who became the White Canary. Then Laurel Lance... Uh, we're after spoiler. Laurel Lance... Arrow spoiler. Laurel Lance dies, but then he's immediately replaced by a doppelganger like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. do because they just want to keep the actors around, but yep. also wanted her to die. So then she was evil Black Canary, but then Dinah... She's got a different last name, but then... Oh, is Dinah a real name? Anyway, there's a new Black Canary now yep. who has the same powers. I don't know if they ever explained that because I jumped off the planet. But uh, did you hear what happened at the end of... The Green Arrow, though, right? Why no? Well, Joe, the longest time they had the fan theory that um, what's it, the big black guy was going to end up as a Green Lantern. Or Digger Harkness. Yeah. Yeah. You know they were going to flame up as, oh, he would be a cool Green Lantern. Oh, really? You know they committed to that. They the end, did right? it? They did a whole, it crash lands and oh, the thing opens, shit. green glow, cut to black, and that was the last ever scene of Green Arrow. Oh, fuck. Oh, my <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> They're gonna do, and then then they're like the next scene is like Digger Harkness. No, I just changed my name to John Stewart, yeah. <laughs> and then it's done. So they're gonna do Digger as a Green Lantern, like because they unsubtly hinted about Green Lantern in Arrow for years. Yeah, Harley Quinn was also very briefly in. Arrow. Yeah, it was a voice credit for. Uh, uh, God, I forgot. I know. We both literally Tina just strong. Somewhat strong, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, no. She oh, does it in no. The, she, the one from the Arkham games. Yeah. Oh, They got fuck. her back to be uh, Tara Strong. Tara Strong. There we go. Fucking hell. Uh, they go back to do like a one-word cameo of that in the Suicide Squad episode that opened a few weeks before the Suicide Squad movie came out. DC has no fucking clue. No. Get a spreadsheet, lads, for God's sake. <laughs> um, get a continuity guy. Um, get a Feige. Anyway, um, where was I going with this? Yeah, so I, I think... That would have been a better movie because then you already you already know what the character of Catwoman is. Maybe to a less present Poison Ivy because I mean, rather going off the Uma Thurman version, which wasn't really what she's about. I feel that might have made that movie better, mm. or at least I mean, budget wise would have cost maybe a bit more because then you've got to do Poison Ivy's big plant stuff. But I feel that might have been a better way for them to go. And then at least you could have had. Mixing in with an idea, the idea I, I had is that Harley Quinn, yes, is your protagonist, mm. but the birds of prey are out there doing birds of prey things, yeah. and Harley Quinn's on the scene. They're like, that's a fucking villain, yeah, and there's yeah. your conflict, there's your central conflict. So I don't know why they yeah. didn't do it. Any combination of these things, they just did five different fucking stories that happened to congregate at the end. Yeah, so they put in 
So instead of having to then shave the edges off Harley Quinn, you haven't got to do that because you're essentially in a villain group and then you just put her up against Black Mass as a bigger villain. Yeah. And then you can also go into her transitioning away from the Joker and into Poison Ivy, which is what they're currently doing in the comic books. They are an item. So do that. That'd be quite progressive for you to do. Yeah. Do that. Not only is it your main character, but it's a poster character from a previous film. There you go. Fucking do it. Just... Oh, it, again, it just comes back to I just wish they'd let it be a horse and not a camel. Yeah, like it just it feels like there is a good solo Harley Quinn movie out there with the bare bones of what's going on here, but they just they just didn't commit to it. Obviously, they were like, look, we're not going to give you that much budget. It's a it, we're going out on a limb with a Harley Quinn solo movie, so it's not going to get the big book. So maybe that had something to do. It had very pretty limited sets, like they were big and impressive, but they weren't that many of them no you're on the street or you're in Harley's apartment or Black Mask very small nightclub or you're in the fun house at the end yeah Black Mask's nightclub for 20 it yeah. was, that was a weird yeah. place it's a very VIP place um, or you're in the police station mm. that's it you're not really going out anywhere and all the fight scenes are good but they're largely hand to hand they get one car chase at the end uh, which is pretty good the roller skate yeah, one is pretty, pretty fun I just, oh, yeah. It feels like a missed opportunity more than anything else. Also, you got to wonder the kind of people that would willingly enter into a roller derby league knowing that a noted criminal is also on one of the teams yeah. who hasn't changed how she looks whatsoever. They weirdly flip between... Because, so, where we left Harley Quinn, she had escaped the Suicide Squad, so had escaped a maximum security prison with the Joker, yep. and then she's just walking around Gotham eating egg sandwiches. Like... Oh, that fucking... Uh... She's in love with a sandwich. Oh, it's ju- it's just 2008 fucking random YouTube humour, isn't it? It's, it is. Oh, it's fucking infuriating. You know what? This felt like a 2008 superhero movie for the most part. Yeah. Like, you've got a character that gives you such, like, an open door and a blank checkbook to go goddamn mental with it and make it unique. That's how superhero movies are doing well these days, by having a unique vision and fucking going with it. It just felt like a return to just, like, what do the bare basic character stuff but they're all going to fit into a kind of template and basically I feel disappointed for that again I feel like Margot should have been given all the obviously there's got to be some restraints but you just give her so much leeway like right go mental with it have your way maybe she did and and maybe maybe this is it yeah Yeah. the fault lies at her but the fault lies somewhere because somewhere someone reeled it back in oh god okay so oh yeah no we'll do it now so speaking of fault darren okay uh, jerry conway uh who is a um dc comics script writer mm-hmm. and has famously worked on birds of prey comics harley quinn comics huntress comics quite a lot of other stuff yeah uh wants you to know darren me uh, that you as a uh, comics reading movie watching white man mm-hmm. are the reason that the birds of prey movie has failed uh, oh. Despite previously saying that this movie uh, is not for comic book reading white men like you. So, oh. the underperformance of the Birds of Prey movie, who's to blame? <laughs> is it the studio for making a movie that's not actually not that good? It's good in some areas, but it's actually, in fact, just made a mosaic of things that were yeah. popular from other things. Is it the audience that were told? Not to come to the movie, yeah, and then didn't because they were told it wasn't for them. Is he putting it with a stupid title? Is he putting it in February? Yeah, etc. Yeah, or you know, is it potentially because the kind of people who want to see a truly quote unquote feminist? Because I don't think there's really any true definition of the word. I think it's mm-hmm. it's a very personal experience to a lot of people. I don't think there's one blanket thing. Yeah. Um, that being told, yes, your female empowerment feminist movie with yeah. no man in it, mm. apart from the villain, uh, because of course, yeah, don't go to fucking comic book movies. <laughs> they don't go. That is not a genre that they go to. They don't read comic books. They don't watch comic book movies. They read and watch movies that they're interested in. They don't have to be fucking pandered to. Mm. Pandering is a problem. And also, releasing in February, having a shitty title, not really going through it Mm -hmm. with it in terms of any form of plot structure, not doing anything entirely original, and the fucking soundtrack, because good God. I know they got Joan Jett, I know they got the weird Pat Benatar cover, but uh, most of that fucking soundtrack was just 
drugs. I don't. I don't like that excuse. Now, again, we are speaking as straight white men. We are. Which, and, which, and Lord knows there's plenty of podcasts that are yeah, exactly like us. Which, to some extent, I mean, maybe validates some of our opinions. But I mean, he's saying that we're the reason he didn't make any money. We've both seen it, so good on us. Yep. That just argument makes no sense. Like, you're not. Because then to, to say that means that they were then anticipating only, you know, 18 to 30-year-old women who are into Carly Quinn stuff to go and watch this movie and therefore make it, you know, a, a box office success. Yeah. That's a very limiting way. No studio would think like that because they never make any goddamn movie. Good movies tend to make money. Word of mouth is can do you a good job. Um you know, you don't, you're not setting your story. You can make it with a primary audience in in mind. Yeah. That's fine. That's perfectly fine to do. In fact, that's good for acceptance levels. If you're like, we want to go out and make a kind of, you know, movie for, you know, hardcore comic book chicks. There's the main audience. We want to make them happy. Yeah. Fine. But then you find ways to make everything else. MCU has succeeded so well because they're doing four quadrant movies. They're very difficult. Don't get me wrong. It's pitfalls. And maybe sometimes you're like, well, okay, yeah, it's a female-led movie. It's a predominantly female-led cast. We're going to take her off the ball of, like, the really hard-headed skinheads. Like, oh, no, where's the men? Because they're not going to watch it anyway. So why try and get them to this movie? Here's what Jerry Conway said in relation to it. Go on. Um, I'm quoting his tweet directly here from uh, the 9th of February. I'm so disappointed by Birds of Bray box office and what it says about the male audience for superhero films. Here's my controversial take. The movie didn't pull teenage boys because Margot Robbie didn't want Harley Quinn to be sexualised as she was in Suicide Squad. Unfortunately, what she may have proved, in brackets, who can say off one movie, in brackets, is that the male audience for superhero movies isn't as mature as we'd like to hope, and the female audience isn't large enough to compensate. I wholeheartedly disagree with this point. I, I think the second you put a gender bias on your audience and then try and write off any mistakes mm-hmm. you might have had in, you know, making your movie marketable or appealing to four-quadrant movies in the way that uh, the MCU does it. Yeah. I, I can't... I cannot name a male person who thinks... who Whose favourite character in the MCU movies is Loki. Mm. I can rattle off female names names Mm. for whose favourite character is Loki and Thor and a bunch of other different characters Ant-Man is quite popular across the genders this was in this my opinion this wasn't a gender issue this was a problem with script writing it was a problem with marketing it was a problem with the general kind of lackadaisical approach that DC is taking in their business plan they need a Feige it's bollocks because (laughs) They're gonna, he's going to invalidate his own point in a few months' time when Black Widow when Wonder and Woman, Wonder Woman 84 yeah. make loads of money. Yeah. They're not overly sexualised characters. No. And like, then it's a triumph. And, yeah. you know, Wonder Woman's costume in the first one wasn't overly sexualised. No. And I think if you place if you place all the blame on, well, men can't wank, <laughs> like... They'll often prove that they can. Yeah. They'll, <laughs> they'll often prove that they can. So they'll go above and beyond to prove yeah. that point. Well, they've put the, the latest trailer for Wonder Woman 84. I'm so impressed that they've done, like, the Golden Valkyrie armour. That looks fucking cool. You think? Oh, he's the dorky singer. I really on. like it. God. But, even, no. But, you know, it's skin-tight armour. It is kind of a little bit sexualised. Well, you know. Okay, okay. But that's inherent in these types of movies. You don't look at Thor when he's whacking his top off and going, well, there's always sexualised Thor now. Mm. Good! He's a good-looking man. Appreci- there's a difference <laughs> between appreciating yeah. and just saying, like, yeah, they're not, like, fiends Gal Gadot. Do you want to dress as a goddamn nun all the time? No. It just... Ah. Yeah. Right, so, it's a lot of head death stuff going around this movie. So the point will be invalidated. <laughs> now, it won't be invalidated if Black Widow and Wonder Woman 84 underperform. Yeah. Then we might have to... Then we're going to have to look at ourselves a little bit. We are. But I, I dare say that an MCU movie and a follow-up to Wonder Woman ain't going to fail. I dare say they're well, going to do really well. It's well. Not, it's, but that's the thing, though. There'll be a difference between failing and doing as well as the other ones. So I'd say Black Widow will be considered a... It'll be considered a success. It'll make loads of money anyway. Yes. I don't see this knocking... What is the underperforming MCU movie? It's Ant-Man and the Wasp, I think, is the lowest story. Yeah. 
No, it's either one of the Ant-Man movies or it's the, the Ed Norton Incredible Hulk is the lowest earning mm. MCU movie. I don't see that being Black Widow. No. Particularly because it's the only known quantity this year. It's not going up. Because Ant-Man and the Wasp had the problem with following up Endgame. The original Ant-Man had the problem with following up uh, Age of Ultron. Yeah. Yes. Although I thought it was better than Age of Ultron, so what do I know? Yeah, Incredible Hulk was, you know, ages away, so... Before it, we really knew what this was going to exactly, be. Exactly, it was basically a standalone movie with a post-credit scene added on to add it into the MCU. So I don't think it's going to be a problem with that. But then people might say it's not a success if it doesn't surpass stuff like Doctor Strange, uh, whatever Ant-Man did better. Uh, those mid-range movies, if it doesn't get past there, will they then say, well, it's not a success? If it mm-hmm. goes below Captain Marvel, will they say, well, it's not a success? That's the problem. I, but it won't, so it'll be fine. Yeah. Wonder Woman eighty four similarly. Unless it, again, we don't know what's coming up against them. I will look real quick to see if there's like any big um, what's it called other movies coming out that week that could potentially dent the thing. Well, I've been looking at uh, what is actually going to re- release in that month because yeah. it's June for Wonder Woman eighty four. Right. The only other one is Pixar's Soul. I don't see that being in the same range of competition. No, to be honest with you. that's not dragging money away from Wonder Woman. But yeah. what's what's Black Widow up against? Uh, Black Widow's up in my list of movies I'm actually interested about this year. It's up against Blythe Spirit and Artemis Fowl, so I think it's going to be fine. That sounds pretty good. It's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it it looks fine. Like July is stacked, so if they can get both of those movies out mm. at a position where there's nothing else going on. That, not that I'm saying that they can't fucking compete, yeah. but it would have been foolish to put both Wonder Woman 84 and Black Widow up against Ghostbusters Afterlife, Tenet, Top Gun Maverick, and Morbius. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a dumb month to try anything. Right. But this thing, the other thing is, it doesn't matter. I mean, look how... Fe- like we said, I watched three trailers of female-led movies. You watched others. You've got so many... We just rattled off like seven or eight that are coming this year. Yep. They're going to make money. It's They're not a problem. It's just this specific one didn't do as well as everyone hoped because of very clearly defined mistakes it made. No, I'm not saying there's not a bias. If this was, um, if Joker was in this and was more prominently featured, maybe not the Jerry Letter version that didn't go over very well, but you no. know what I mean, then maybe it had done better because it would have got slightly more male viewers in. But to put the blame solely at the door of men are the problem. Yeah. That's oh, and the newest thing is that uh, gamers are the problem as well because the Sonic movie's doing really well and they were like, oh, you fucking male gamers going to see the Sonic movie rather than Birds of Prey. Like, most it's, nerds will have seen both. Good God. It's a kid's movie versus an 18 movie. Yeah, they really are not looking at the parameters in which these things are being released. Half-term week... To whack a kid's movie out, that's fucking genius. We have a video game character that every kid under the goddamn sun knows. Yeah. Whether they are two years old or 20 years old, everyone knows who the fuck Sonic is. Yeah. Everyone kind of still likes Jim Carrey, so it's going to make big money. Yeah. What a stupid goddamn It's argument. so stupid. Who's that fucking thick? I don't know. Oh. Well, clearly people on Twitter, Darren, but there we go. Ah. <sighs> Well, that was fun. Yeah, that was really fun. There's some it? white rage for you, everybody. So uh, we can play the stereotypes sometimes. Thanks, SNL. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, um, yeah. So speaking of Sonic, that will hopefully be next up. Yes. Um, we plan to go and watch this this week. Um, oh, I'm just so God. Everyone's got the fucking knife out for Jim. Every yeah. interview he has, there's now a Daily Mail article the next day going Jim Carrey freaks people out. There was one with Margot Robbie. They're on Graham Norton together. And now, I will admit, I'm very biased towards Jim Carrey, and I kind of have to be. I modelled myself on him. <laughs> so, he he's interviewing... Did you watch it at all? No. Or did you no. hear about I it? I heard about it, though. So, he's on there with... Uh, he's like... They've got a new thing on Graham Norton where they'll introduce, like, a late guest who'll come in about halfway through. And Jim Carrey was that one. So, they had, um, they had Margot Robbie, and they had uh, Daniel Kalula and his co-star in Queen and Slim... Oh God, Jodie something. She's a she was a model. She's now an yeah. actress. Anyway, so those three on there, and Jim Carrey comes out being Jim Carrey, um, and he's saying like he was just being like praising Margot Robbie, but he did make okay. Basically, he turned around and goes, "I think you've just done so well despite all of your obvious physical drawbacks," and the audience laughs. Now he's kind of staring. Right, he's kind of turned his whole body to face her. Yeah. And then he kind of turned around to Graham Norton and says, oh, "I'm joking." He's like, "Look at that. That's just pure talent right there." And then he carries on. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. A little creepy. A little bit. He's a fifty-year-old man. Mm. I'm not saying that excuses it, but there we go. But the next day, 
He was like, he'd like try to like fucking get a leg over. <laughs> it was like fucking way. Like he'd just basically gone full Ace Ventura or yeah, something. Like, like he tried to yeah. grope her or something. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And now there's been like, other, I haven't watched the other interviews that have, he's done since, but other ones where he's like, Jim Carrey be creepy. Jim, I was like, Jim Carrey's always been slightly creepy in interviews. That's just kind of par for the course. Yeah. Um, and when you give him the characters that he's had in the 90s yeah. it, it ain't surprising mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. I'm not saying that as a well he played a creep in Ace Ventura so clearly he's a creep I can detach fact from fiction yes. but you uh. know the dude's 50 odd yeah okay right I've had enough of talking about media bias uh, towards gender so let's wrap it up Michael you can go and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at that thatmichael and you can go and follow Darren on Twitter and Instagram at that the Guthridge. you can go and follow the site on Twitter Instagram and Facebook under these name Fallient that's F-O-U-L-E-N-T you can follow us on SoundCloud Spotify and Apple Podcasts under these name Fallient or Fallient Podcast depending on your provider and of course go to fallentertainment.com for more stuff more podcasts more articles more nonsense like we said, Sp- Sonic is next. Hopefully, Hopefully. Um, we've got. Uh, we've also done our thoughts on the release of Pokemon Home, which is already up. You can go and listen to that. Uh, past that, well, we were hoping for a video game club, but they've delayed everything. Yep. So that's gone. So we've still got a little bit. Of wait. I think next up on the video game front is Last of Us Two in. I want to say April. Um, there's April, that and Doom Eternal. I think. Doom Eternal. Yeah, no, yeah, because Doom Eternal had been delayed from November last year, and now it's coming out March. Um, they delayed, delayed Final Fantasy 7 didn't they so that's not out I'm, uh, I'm not yep. fucking playing it but you know <laughs> it's just moreover it's coming out and that's a discussion we can have uh, that's uh, about it yeah, I'm just going to check films uh, you were not watching Doolittle um, yeah fuck that yeah, no, well, Onwards is getting very good reviews that's Pixar's next one so that's also coming up in March alongside Mulan so. and A Quiet um, Place too. I didn't watch A Quiet Place 1 it's a good excuse to watch it horror guy um, but there we go so yeah all of that and more coming up very, very soon over on fairlandstainment.com. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye, everybody! Bye! Bye.